Welcome to the Pot of Gold, where we talk all things precious metals and their markets. Today, we take a look at the technical positioning in gold and silver and future price targets to watch. Then we move on to discuss the surge of money that's moving into gold and silver. However, big money appears to be moving away from Brent crude, which is unexpected as the Northern Hemisphere enters their winter. What do these increasing shorts on crude signal to the market? I'm your host, Shay Russell of ABC Bullion, and joining me today is precious metals expert, Nick Frappel from ABC Refinery. Nick, how are you, mate? I'm really well, thanks, Shay. Looking forward to our next podcast. Yes, look, I'm I'm very excited to talk about today because we're taking a little bit of a different tact uh, today. You know, we're not really going to apply apply a lot of fundamental analysis. Rather, you know, we're going to talk about, I guess, what big money is saying in the market. Uh, now, first and foremost, we are going to cover what is happening in the gold and silver space. Now, uh, what a difference a fortnight makes. Uh, last time we spoke about gold, uh, it was in the process of challenging the 1830s price barrier that you mentioned in that particular podcast. Uh, And you did make a couple of calls of uh, what targets to look for next. And within 24 hours of recording that podcast, uh, gold pushed through 1830 well above and it went up and gave 1870 a little bit of a nudge. Now that was uh, rather prophetic on your path, but you uh, then again pointed to a big fall that was likely to come. Now you said this, uh, I think it was yesterday or the day before in one of the refinery meetings, and then gold went and fell uh, overnight for us. So 22nd of November for Australians. We saw the gold price fall. Now, first and foremost, I actually have two questions for you, hence the long setup. Has this big fall changed the technical setup overnight? Are we still looking at a bullish path? Um, but also too, uh, your cloud, is this um, is this the reason why you're so prophetic when it comes to predicting what is happening in gold prices? Well, no, thank thank you for that, Shay. Uh, yeah, definitely the weekly cloud was made a a, a big difference here. Um, you know, gold had struggled to get into the cloud from below and sort of break in, break up, and when it's struggling to get in or out of uh, out of daily or a weekly cloud, whatever the time frame is, I kind of tend to think of it as being more reliable. Um, when you sort of what, what's the next level going to be? So when it broke up, moved higher from the weekly cloud base, which was its first kind of issue, and then got through eighteen thirty five, which was the previous kind of sort of succession of resistance uh, levels at that point. It seemed fairly natural to look at the next resistance being the weekly cloud top, which was about eighteen seventy three. Price actually went up to eighteen seventy seven for like no time at all failed to close, which I think was quite meaningful. It failed to close above the weekly cloud top. And then, of course, various sort of gold negative things uh, came out. We have a sort of stronger dollar and a little bit of a um, fall in the uh, uh, bond prices, high yields. And then it pushed back down pretty quickly. And I think one of the reasons for that is just positioning related. Some of the later arrivals to the market on the managed money front, they got in it. I think a volume-weighted average of about 18.54. So the price, when it started to weaken off, there wasn't a lot of scope for them to take profit or get out before being a um, little bit underwater. And those last, um, just looking at the where those positions came in, uh, one point, almost one and three quarter million ounces arrived in the week ending the 16th of Nov at a VWAP, VWAP of 18.54, and then the week before uh, about 
3.12 million ounces arrived. And I think the VWAP for that, if I'm right, is just below where we are now. So those guys are not far away either. Now, um, I want to move sort of more on to what really is the theme of what we're talking about today. And this is big money or, you know, the more technical term is managed money. Uh, earlier in yes. the week, you noticed a very interesting trend. Uh, there seems to be a significant amount of interest uh, in gold. So can I get you to explain to me what sort of positioning we're seeing, how long the market is uh, and what this tells us about the gold price and also to um, how significant it is to be happening now compared to last Last time we saw this much interest for managed money. Yeah, absolutely. So we've got a, um, according to the latest figures anyway, which are uh, the 16th of November, uh, managed money, total longs or gross longs, um, just over 18 and a half million ounces. Now, that is um, significant. It's the highest, uh, the longest um, sort of managed money position so far this year. And really managed money hasn't, you know, it's, between the you know managed money long and managed money short position, it's kind of been a little bit of a rangy year. So this is a sign of real breakout. And if you, um, so, you know, in terms of position size, and if you look at those variations over the course of the year, you know, you had that reflation kind of period in Q1 of this year um, that caused managed money length to decline because people were sort of rotating into other assets. Then you had Delta coming along sort of more in the middle of the year. That got people back into gold and managed money uh, length rose, but none of it really. There wasn't sort of real big figures, you know, big commitments. Now the commitments are significantly higher. We'll obviously see how many people got pushed out in this fall, uh, in the, in the fall of the price. Um, but what's different now is that gold has been sort of much more captured and inspired by the inflation narrative and the thought that. Inflation isn't really transitory. Of course, a lot of people have been believing it's not transitory for a little while now. Is the Fed not really in control? Are other central banks, bankers not really in control? Um, is inflation going to be more persistent? And I think that's what's really kind of helped sort of inspire or ignite the interest in, in, in gold over the last sort of 14 to 21 days. Um, so uh, I just want to refer to a presentation you gave at a, gold, uh, a virtual gold conference last week where you talked about the market being in a risk-on environment for basically the better part of 10 months. How yeah. does this repositioning of managed money sit with that risk-on environment you spoke about at this conference? I think that the market's pivoted away to a uh, – looks like it's pivoting away to a, a slightly um, more risk-off environment and – that's helped gold. And it's although stock valuations, equity valuations um, still really, really high, <clears throat> there is an element where um, you know, equity prices have, have, have dampened and so on. They've certainly been rising lately on much, much smaller breadth, by the way, which is um, you know, that's a whole other story, but definitely something that I think people should be looking at, you know, fewer and fewer stocks contributing to the rise. So I think there's a pivot away from the broadly risk on reopening um, sort of psyche, if you like, that we've seen for much of this year. And if you look at what's going on with, you know, certainly a lot of attention being paid to um, another wave of COVID, unfortunately, that's um, really sort of going through um, uh, Europe at the moment, that sort of fits with uh, the, the sort of, you know, perhaps a risk off, risk off concerns. Also, not only COVID, but also if you look at 
some of the um, data and some and, and sort of concerns coming out of China. Um, you know, we've talked about Evergrande to a, to a large uh, large extent, and that's still an ongoing problem. But also, I think um, you mentioned uh, consumer sentiment in the states as well, which has fallen quite sharply. Those sort of those all sort of you know pieced together as a pivot away to a risk risk off environment, benefiting gold, obviously, notwithstanding the big fall overnight. Uh, while we are still on the topic of precious metals, let's talk about silver. It's drastically unloved, uh, and it was even more so unloved overnight. Uh, it got smashed down on the 22nd of November from around $24.50. Uh, I think I've got my little chart in front of me. Uh, and then this, uh, you know, just as we were about to jump on and start recording the podcast, it dropped another 15 cents. So, again, now is silver getting smacked around because gold's getting smacked around? Um, and similarly, does this change the technical setup for silver? Is, is this another big retrace, uh, retracement that we're looking at or is it merely just going to, you know, bounce off some nearby, uh, nearby support? I'm actually pretty positive about silver. If you look at it on the, let's say I suppose traditionally, you should look at the, the bigger um, picture, the longer time frames first. What... Um, happened overnight hasn't actually changed those uh, big picker, big picture targets and so on. You know, it's just a, a sort of a bit of a retreat. Doesn't mean it can't turn into something uh, bigger. But at the moment, you know, uh, not not particularly alarming. And you mentioned the move down uh, just now, and on the um, hourly uh, point and figure chart, which I like to use, that has got a target. I mean, obviously, it depends what sort of box size and all that kind of, you know, uh, stuff. But I've got a target on my point and figure, which is 23.91. Um, and we're getting pretty close there, but it's really the only downside target I've got on this particular hour, on this hourly chart. So, uh, no, I, I'm not particularly um, alarmed about silver at the moment. Basis, uh, looking at the those sort of longer term and you know medium term charts hasn't done enough to sort of make me question the the general um, sort of positive medium to longer term trend of silver, which is, I mean, we've entered the uh, the weekly cloud. That's a, that, you know, and we held all those important levels, you know, in October and so on, if my memory serves me correctly. But yeah, so look, I moved down, but n nothing's happened that's you know shaken me out of that broadly positive. Uh, um, silver view at the moment. Yep. So it's a move down and it's not a move out. Yeah, absolutely. I like that. Uh, I do want to talk about managed money positioning in silver. Are we seeing the same amount of enthusiasm moving into silver as, as to what we're seeing in gold right now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think what do we see? A 17% increase in managed money longs. Um, and there's been a really big increase in the um, net positioning in silver. Uh, we've got an increase of about 170 odd million ounces over the um, last last month or so. So actually, you know, positioning in silver, the only risk is is that you get a lot of what you what I sort of call sort of late arrivals and so on. And of course, the later you arrive, the more vulnerable you may be. But um, there is definitely um, strong interest in in silver. Um, I'm just sort of quickly scooting over to to, to sort of hopefully see some of those numbers now. Um, and uh, yeah, but you know, it, you know, it's 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 really a, you know definitely a lot of um, of of recent arrivals. And you know, silver was 
pretty much negligible net short, sorry, net net long, about six and a half million ounces or something, uh, you know, over just over a month ago, we've seen a really, really big increase. And mainly that's, uh, if, if, if I recall from my table, that's mainly um, new longs arriving. So that's a vote of confidence in silver. So, uh, and I'm actually going to quote you just to embarrass you a little bit, but money is emphatically moving into gold and silver, would you say? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And look, uh, you know, one of the things is, or, you know, several things are going on. Um, that's been despite the fact that we've got quite a positive environment uh, for the dollar. And we've also got a, um, you know, we've, we've, we've generally the yields are heading in the uh, upward direction on, on uh, US dollar so 10 year and so on. If you look at the dollar, you know, let's say look at the dollar index, just because I know it's, you know, it's not the primary thing people are trading, but it's just a good way of capturing um, sort of the big picture of what's going on there. Dollar is strengthening. We broke up through the uh, weekly cloud top resistance in in the dollar. And I think also with um, one of the important sort of, you know, news news items in the market is, is uh, the fact that Jerome Powell was reconfirmed as chair. That um, definitely seemed to be dollar positive because I guess on balance he's perceived as being slightly more hawkish than um, Lael Brainerd. So uh, that again was dollar positive. I think also there's probably an element where it's positive because they eventually got round to deciding which of the two it was going to be, which I think would be sort of playing out for perhaps far too long in some people's eyes. Now, uh, continuing our uh, positioning of big money theme, we're not going to get right into what the Fed's doing or not doing, or we might even give the Evergrande crisis a rest today. Um, I, <laughs> don't worry, you know, we'll, we'll come back to it next uh, next episode. But uh, this episode in particular, we want to take a look at what's happening in managed money positioning in the energy markets, because uh, I noticed you uh, earlier in the week, you picked up on a trend that we haven't seen before. And arguably, we can see some ju- juxtaposition in the energy markets right now. Uh, you know, we've got higher prices, which are inf- uh, fueling the inflation narrative. But when you took a look at the managed money positioning in crude, uh, you're of the view that pr- the professional side of the market is telling us something different about uh, crude energy in particular. Yeah. So looking at positioning in Brent, um, just, you know, not a huge take, but just something that maybe goes against the grain um, in terms of what people are thinking more widely. If you look at um, length, management length in, in Brent, so, you know, I'm just looking back at the 19th of October, so, you know, between 19th of October, 16th of November, roughly a month, right? So positioning there has declined um, pretty much nonstop over that period. Um, and um, short positioning has slightly slightly increased. So the, the, the reason why I think it's worth mentioning is that probably a lot of people sort of outside that are looking at it and saying, oh, you know, price is going up and, you know, inf- you know, that this is this is um you know you know something that you know perhaps money is flowing into but actually um it's kind of going the other way and the interesting take on that you know things can change overnight obviously but energy is a big component of um in, in any inflation index pretty much so this is a little bit of a perhaps a a, a note or a or a reminder that Maybe people have a different view on where energy prices may be, uh, may be headed, 
and maybe that feeds into the uh, sort of inflationary index, there's still a really, really strong argument around transitory and non-transitory. You can talk about how long transitory will be, but definitely people have got very good and well thought out arguments to make on both sides. And I just saw when I saw that positioning in Brent, I thought, yeah, that's kind of interesting because probably people who aren't looking at it a lot might not have expected uh, the sort of length to to be to be declining as it has been doing. No, well, I would argue that with energy prices rising and going into a northern hemisphere winter, that I would expect um, long positions to be increasing, not short positions. So it's definitely yeah, gone against too. what I was thinking. Um, you know, I, I mentioned to you earlier during the week that there is an economist who's warned that Americans can expect high CPI prices of the fives and sixes well into 2022. But again, pointing to the fact that energy energy prices may fall in, I don't know, the short to medium term, for example, um, perhaps the transitory nation, uh, the transitory inflation narrative might turn out to be a little bit more believable next year. Yeah. And, and if you look at, if you look at what um, five-year break evens are doing, they're above where the feds kind of, you know, uh, well, more flexible <laughs> target is now. Um, but the fact they're above, given that it is a flexible average inflation target, you know, regime, um, you'd sort of say, well, that isn't panic stations. But if you look at five-year, five-year break-evens, they're not moving much at all, actually. And that's kind of telling you, well, the, the market is more sanguine. Okay, that's over a much longer t- time period. But the market is still fairly sanguine about how inflation is going to play out. I think it's perfectly reasonable to expect that you know H1 of next year we might still be having some worrying and inflation um, concerns, inflation prints, but not so sure it's absolutely baked in yet. Ooh, I like the way you phrase that. They're worrying inflations, but not baked in. Mm. All right, Nick. Well, we're nearly running out of time for today. Uh, I know we have we've really stuck to that one subject because I know both you and I felt that there was one story that needed to be told, uh, and the reason for this, especially in my view, is that managed money doesn't normally position itself so obviously and so strongly. And when it does, these are these are messages that we'd like to you know bring to the market's attention. Absolutely, and I think just if I can just my last point is, as of ten minutes ago or whatever, or twenty minutes ago. Gold was still, um, you know, round about the uh, to the base of the weekly cloud, and it's held above the uh, weekly um, turning line. Um, so that that uh, kind of weekly cloud prism, if you want to look at, or sort of viewpoint, if you want to look at look at it, um, is still interesting right now. That's the real key point that it's got to. Uh, that it's got a sort of, you know, hold and that's what we're sort of probably, you know, going to be looking at for the uh, for the rest of this week as a sort of a guide, if you like. Look, I do like this and I recently admitted quite publicly I am an Ichimoku cloud convert. It turns out they are very interesting, to, uh, very easy to read and they're quite um, interesting once you once you know the basics of them. But before we wrap up today, because, uh, you know, it's around 6 p.m. on the 23rd of November when we are filming this podcast and you do have a habit of calling the market turns quite quickly and it's going to take me overnight to edit this. Yes. Um, <laughs> what are, Do we have any short-term targets for the week that uh, you think gold might be moving to? You know what? If we hold above seventeen ninety, uh, well, let's say let's say call it eighteen hundred round number, I'd expect to see a um, a move back to say eighteen sixteen, eighteen eighteen. So nothing really, really 
uh, notable because the the market hasn't had time to sort of make the price action yet on point and figure, for example, to give really good uh, ideas of price action going back in the other in, in the opposite direction. Uh, we did see some pretty steady uh, bidding uh, this this morning on Asian Open. Obviously, a lot of people, uh, physical consumers, were really keen to see the the lower price. But as Europe's come in, it looks like you know that perhaps um, Europe sort of trying to test the strength, perhaps of that uh, bidding that we saw in our own time zone. Um, but I think yeah, look above above eighteen hundred, eighteen oh one, that kind of level U.S. dollar terms. Yeah, you should be looking at. Um, uh, perhaps a chance to pop back to uh, 1816, 1818. That's the, just the very, very short-term view. Um, can I ask, and at the risk of uh, dragging this out, and this is often for my own uh, own benefit, mm-hmm. now price um, 1834 gold was a price barrier for a significant period of time or over many yeah, months. Yeah. Um, is, is that barrier back there now that we've fallen below there, or is there a chance that gold can will move past it with a little bit more ease this time? I'd expect it to move past with um, more ease, uh, so I don't perceive it as a barrier now. Actually, when I thought, and I did get asked by um, an external news agency or whatever, uh, it shall remain nameless, but um, uh, what my thoughts were when I said I was you know, expecting the price to um, retreat from the, the weekly Ichimoku cloud top, I was kind of expecting it to hold around of 1830, so the, to sort of see that it went down to you know, 1802 or whatever. Um, was a little bit more than I expected, um, but I was expecting it to go and test that breakout level and see what kind of support was there. I think enough people got in on the long side that maybe there's, perhaps there was some serious stops that uh, that kind of overwhelmed that potential support. I was expecting that level to... Mm, 1825, 1835, I thought that level probably would hold. Um, uh, so, but on now, now talking about it going back up, if we go back up, I certainly don't expect um, 18, the 1835 level to be a, a resistance anymore. We've been up through it and back down through it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've pushed through now. All right. So, just as we wrap up today, uh, I would like to get your take on what you think the most important version, uh, the most important story out of today is. But we really did only have that one story, uh, and I have to say, I um, my personal view is I think it's quite interesting to see the momentum that is building behind managed money positionings between gold. There's some significant. There's a wall of money moving into gold, and it'll be interesting to see how that plays out from my point of view. Hundred percent agree. Oh, we're in agreement today. I did not see that one coming. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess what that means is is that the CFTC we we can have a look over we can have a look tomorrow what open interest has done. I'd expect it to shrink because I'd expect that some liquidation. Um, but the key thing is is next Friday night New York time they will update uh, positions to uh, today um, or to close a close a business in New York today. And because of the whole time zone issue, uh, we'll be able to look at that Monday morning or sometime during the weekend if necessary and get a chance to see, okay, what's happened uh, since the 16th to uh, today. So that's, uh, that's the, 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 the thing that will help confirm or deny uh, you know, our views on, 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 on what's been going on with positioning and how, how durable it is as well. How durable it is. Do you know what, you, Nick, you and I are probably the only person who get people who get really excited about data dumps on gold positioning these days. So I know you and I won't, uh, won't miss it when it happens. We won't. <laughs> exactly. 
All right, that's where we're going to leave things today. Nick, as usual, thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much for your insights. And I look forward to our next chat. Yeah, me too, Shay. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to get a better understanding of the technical indicator Nick uses, the Ichimoku Cloud. It's available on most trading platforms. Alternatively, you can check out our show notes over at abcrefinery.com forward slash podcast. Here you can sign up to receive more information from Nick Frappel, including his monthly report where he incorporates technical analysis alongside macro market commentary. That's all from us today at ABC Bullion and ABC Refinery. We look forward to seeing you next time.